0: Today, this podcast episode is sponsored by MedBoard. And I have with me Ivan Perez Chamorro, the CEO of MedBoard. Ivan, can you please tell us more about MedBoard? Hello, Monir. Yes, of course. MedBoard is the professional
1: medtech platform for medical devices and IVDs organizations. A big data-driven platform that covers your needs from regulatory to clinical, marketing and sales. One solution that includes intelligence, automated market and PMS surveillance, thousands of profiles and much more. If you believe in data, speed and digital transformation, MedBoard is your perfect solution. Now, be ready and enjoy this very interesting podcast episode with us.
0: Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Alazuzzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir al from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will have some support for your uh, MDR audit. And I have with me uh, Martin Vitte from uh, TUVSUD who will help us to understand how to be ready for uh, your audit. So he will give us a lot of advices and I hope this will be really helping you. So Martin, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank
1: you, Monia. Uh, it's very nice to be here. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity.
0: No problem. So really happy that you you are here because I think you will really help us. So, um, but first, can you make an introduction of yourself and then we can uh, go back, go to the question directly?
1: Sure. So um, yeah, my name is now. Uh, I'm in pursuit responsible for strategic business development in the medical health services sector. Um, I started with Sud in 2014 as auditor and product specialist. And prior to that, I was a regulatory affairs manager in uh, Biotronic, which is a pacemaker company in, located in Berlin. And yeah, but, so that's so- my background.
0: Yeah so good because yeah I, I, we discussed a bit about that and I hope yeah you give you'll give maybe some advices to some of those manufacturers of pacemakers also because we had some some discussion about that so yeah, I think it'll be great.
1: Um, yeah, and you know how that is with
0: advices. <laughs> yeah I know yeah you, I remember yeah no problem. <laughs> um, so um, yeah the the idea now uh, is really if I can say to help those manufacturers that will be maybe receiving an auditor from TÜV Süd or or well, any notified body to be ready and to really know what they will be expecting because mainly there is maybe some manufacturers that never had an audit. So they don't know how it is, what it is uh, and how they can maybe overcome some of their their struggles or what they have in their head. So what I wanted to ask you first is mainly when a a manufacturer should approach a notified body. So what is the kind of timeline? um, And then from your side, when can you then plan to go to visit them. So is there kind of uh, some rules or it's like dependent on notified body?
1: Yeah, there is a, it depends answer to this question as always when you talk to notified bodies. But uh, let's start with the first part of your question. When is the good time to approach a notified body? And I constantly saying, and I will keep on saying this, this, uh, the earlier the better. Because the earlier you connect with the notified body, the earlier you exchange with the notified body, the uh, lower your unpredictability goes. Yeah. I, to, for example, we have some clients who approach us after they have met, founded their company, created a quality management system, and then they want to get that certified because they want to do development under the umbrella of a um, certified quality management system. Now, if you've done that, then there is already a Good exchange between the two parties. Now, if you say, okay, I'm an existing company and I have switched my quality management system over to the MDR, then a good point in time would be when you've done that or prior to finishing this. And um, yeah, so there is never a too early when contacting the notified body.
0: No, it's great. I, I think it's an important message because uh, as you've said, maybe some people are waiting until the end and yeah. say, okay, we can now contact them and maybe uh, having uh, a prior approach and say, okay, let's select one and let's already discuss with one. And then we can start maybe to, to know better future what will happen. So um, then as soon as they contact you, so, um, and if it's a, maybe a first certification, when can you be able, if I can say to reach them and to go and visit them?
1: Yeah, um, depends on some internal processes we have to follow. So once you filed an application, that application needs to be reviewed internally. Yeah, that's a, that's a very strict requirement uh, given to us from the MDR and our um, op- uh, authorities. So we have to check the contractual foundation of working together. Uh, is the facilities the company has? Are they all part of the application? What are they really doing? What, um, what system codes are to apply to to their quality management system, what technology codes, and so on and so forth. So, In general, this takes a while, and I think something between three months to six months is best case. um, When there are lengthy discussions, especially when we are talking about complex organizations who have several facilities and who might have split responsibilities in these facilities? It might take a little bit longer, but yeah, basically three months could be a realistic
0: time frame. Okay, and um, we discussed if uh, when we when we prepared this episode, we discussed about a specific class of products, which is the Class One Air. Mm. And you told me that I mean it's a Class One, but apparently it's the most difficult one to get an audit. So why? <laughs> oh, that's that's because of two
1: things. So if you are a class one manufacturer of reusable surgical instruments under the MDD, AIMDD, your interaction, AIMDD doesn't have class one R, so um, MDD only. So if you, if you are one of these manufacturers, you typically have only very limited interaction, maybe no interaction with notified bodies. And now you suddenly have to interact with a notified body, so from, no notified body to here is a notified body, that is a pretty huge step in what you need to do. And even though the reusable surgical instrument topic is only focusing on that aspect of how will you make sure that the reusable surgical instrument can be reused, this is very complex because it addresses processes, process validation, verification results. And if you haven't been involved with a notified body before, this might be very challenging to you. In addition, as there were no interactions before, we now have a huge amount of manufacturers asking for this service. Also, some manufacturers who um, had classified their reusable surgical instruments under, for example, the AIMDD, now move over to this class 1R because it is a standalone medical device, potentially. And that means the amount of companies approaching notified bodies on one hour is increasing. And the amount of resources on the notified body side, I mean, we still are not there that we have like 50 notified bodies with uh, in average 200 people working for those notified bodies. No, the limit is on the notified body side that there is limited resources across all notified bodies. So a huge amount of companies approaching us with a set amount of resources, will lead into a bottleneck. And that's the reason why Class 1 AR, even though you have now extended um, um, timeframes in implementing it, you should not wait because there is a lot of learning you will go through. So approach notified the early, better today or tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah, better today or tomorrow than in a month.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. And as, as you mentioned, there was the corrigendum number two that was uh, providing more extension for those products. Initially, they were um, they had to be ready by uh, the date of yep. application, but uh, then there was this extension until 2024, so May 26, 2024, so that they can now uh, be re- have more time, I can say, to be ready. But as you mentioned, better to call now and to have kind of a a date now for an audit instead of waiting, because at the end, if everybody's doing the same, at the end, you will will have a bottleneck uh, and you will not be ready to be certified on time, uh, which can be a a pity for, for your company. Um, in terms of, so now that I have an appointment with you and I have an audit <laughs> planned, so uh, you are coming to visit me, if I can say, to visit the company and you will be reviewing maybe the quality management system. So um, I am a fresh company um, and so there is maybe things that are not Really uh, in place, or that are maybe missing. So, uh, for example, let's talk about Udamed. Udamed is missing now. So, how can I quickly? I mean, how can I mention that on my Quality Management System as mm-hmm. it's not existing? So, will I be compliant if I'm not talking about it, or should I talk about it without? I mean, using it. So, uh, I mean, can we talk with about this struggle maybe for some manufacturers? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, we have the same struggle. Yeah, We also have to establish interfaces to Udame to receive information and also to upload information. And as it's not there, we cannot use these interfaces. However, we had to make sure that these interfaces are at least uh, defined in our quality management system and what we want to put into the interface and pull from the interface. And the same is true for manufacturers. So if you have a procedure in which you ultimately, need to upload information to Udamit, you have to create the procedure in a way as if you upload the data to Udamit. However, that interface is the stop. uh, That's the hard stop of that dead end road because you can't go further. Eventually, someday, that dead end road will be a normal road. So you can go ahead, but you have to define everything until that last piece of the process, which would be the upload. Now. Ignoring Udimed or not talking about it in your quality management system would definitely result in a non-compliance defined by the notified body, and no, then you have to do something.
0: No, yeah. I think it's, it's good. So it means that I need, I know that I have maybe to to uh, fill Udimed with some data. So I just put, mentioned on my procedure I have to fill Udamed with those data but then I stop here and it's fine and, and I'm okay and have maybe to receive some information from Udamed and I just say I receive those information from Udamed and it's fine but yeah maybe later we can more have a work instruction talking about the interface how to do work inside which button to push or whatever so maybe it's later but now we can just work on saying here is the the stop if I can say as you mentioned.
1: For example, the single registration number. If you, if you need to get a single registration number as an economic operator and you can't get it because the interface isn't there and the the system isn't there, then still you need to make sure that at least there is a placeholder in your quality management system and along all your quality management outputs that this single registration number, once it's there, will be put into these. Things, yeah, into processes, outputs, labels, whatever.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point because um, not saying it means that maybe you don't know it, which may be then a raise down for a notified yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is one point, but now the rest, so I have a fresh quality management system um i have if i can say done nothing with it if if i may say because my product is not on the market so how should i i mean do do you have some 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 stories or maybe things that happening like that and maybe things that we can advise those manufacturers to say be careful on this or be careful on that um
1: so important is if you have a fresh quality management system that you at least have tried out all the processes right i mean um if your product is not yet on the market and you might not yet collect post-market data, you do not yet have any complaints. Um, I think it's always extremely valuable and necessary for you as a manufacturer to understand the quality of your quality management system to try things out. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would test this and I would okay. create test cases and just figure out if the process will work as intended. And by that, you have a verification of the process. So you, you need to make sure that your process does what you are intending it to do. And how would you do it if you do not yet have a product on the market where you really can try it at in, in real life? And you have to simulate that. And that's where you might come up with a clever
0: plan how to test your procedures. So um, if, if for example, I have no complaints at all and I go to an audit with you, um, you will really be, I mean, you will maybe raise some concern here to say, are you sure this is working or, or this kind of thing? I mean, the question you just asked is exactly
1: a question an auditor would ask. Yeah, I mean, you get a procedure for um, um, complaint handling and then you could ask, yeah. Do you know this works? I mean, what would we typically do? We would read through it, we would uh the the audit let explain the process. And then typically in an audit situation, you would ask questions concerning the process. And in my mind, it would be very valuable if a manufacturer then can pull whatever, a verification result of the or a test where they tried this out and then said, okay, we have here documented evidence that it works. Now, um, when we take this further, so if if you go for an initial MDR certification, you need to have a product. Yeah? The product may not be on the market because you don't have certification yet, but you have at least the product. Now, that's also the idea of surveillance activities. So that's the reason why you're coming back. So the surveillance then takes care of looking also at these post-market activities. However, in the the first place, we want to understand the process. Is it working? Can it work? If you can prove that, awesome. But then in surveillance, we would either way look at it, if it's working or not.
0: Okay. And uh, so testing is really something to do, but I think there is some processes where there should be no testing. It's like you have to have it available so that you can be, it can be audited. So um, for example, internal audit or management review. So do you have some examples of this uh, where there is maybe some issue that can happen if a company doesn't have that?
1: So um, you're right. These processes must be there. That's that's what, that, those are those core processes which must be there. And the logic behind this, it is, that an internal audit checks the quality of your quality management system. Yeah, It checks if it really does what it needs to do. Now, if in an internal audit, you figure out that you have problems within your quality management system, maybe because you have forgotten to create a specific department handling complaints, so you have nobody who is responsible, and you figure that out in an internal audit, what is logically the next step? The next step is oh, management needs to know that we had an issue in the internal audit that we are missing a department. So management needs to release funding and resources to create this department. And that's the reason why the internal audit is an input to the management review and why the management review is so important. And let me say the following. If you have moved your quality management system from MDD, AIMDD to MDR, and you apply with us and you don't have an internal audit and you don't have a management review, you're missing the check of your system. So it, you, it, it would be the same as if you would send a, a, a product for review where you haven't done a verification. That cannot be successful.
0: Now, I think it's it's a good point here because um, the the... The thing is that, yeah, as, as I've said, some manufacturers may think, okay, we have the procedures and it is enough, but you have also to use them and to show that you have used them. And those ones, I mean, I mentioned those ones, maybe there are others. They have to be available during the audit to show that. The internal audit, for example, is, as, as you said, it's a check of your quality management system, but it's something that may raise, as you mentioned, also some concern. The auditor has the right to look at those or the internal audit reports. So, what I mean, what what would what you say, maybe to a manufacturer that say, oh, I I don't want to find to to raise too many nonconformities in an internal audit because the, my auditor will find that and we maybe have an issue with it.
1: The, the auditor will only have an issue with it if you have a list of nonconformities in your internal audit report, and then you haven't done anything with it. That is an issue, yes. And what is very interesting, I mean, if you look at the MD sub program or how we audited it before and what FDA is doing with, with internal audits, yeah, that is a com- that those are three different approaches to it. Yeah, I mean, MD sub is looking at it. Okay, you need to do this in an audit first because only by that you will figure out if systematically issues are approached. Um, it might be that under MDDA, MD the internal audit part, what was at the end of an audit, um, I personally would say, I mean, of course, yeah. It it feels awkward a bit, yeah. You're looking into internal audits first. That means you're looking at the mistakes first, mm-hmm. yeah. And but it makes sense to do that. It makes sense because that is the reason why you have a quality management system. That is the reason why we are there. We need to make sure that you, as a manufacturer, take care of this and. With a high level of of, um, of of effort, yeah. And if we would figure out that the internal audit finding was not addressed properly, it might be good to figure that out early.
0: No, I think it's it's good because um, I mean, when I was working uh, mainly for 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 corporates, so the idea was more I prefer to find an issue with an internal audit instead that my auditor will find it for me. So if it's fine with the internal audit and I do something for it. Yeah. Then my auditor cannot say anything if I can say, because I, I'm working on that. It's not like he discovered that and then he will raise a non conformity for it. But yeah, there is still some kind of, of concern about understanding how those processes are, are working and how maybe they can use that more um, in a better way. Um, in terms of, so for quite a I think we have really a clear understanding. We have to. Test our processes. Even if we don't have anything, we have to have some processes that are available, like internal audit, like management reviews. Um, even if there is something with MDR that is not existing now, like you, Damed, we still should uh, mention that and should have kind of um, the process until the interface, as we mentioned. So, yeah, I think I hope this will be really providing some some good insight for for those manufacturers. And now, let me
1: let me put something onto this yeah. because what you're mentioning is you. You actively do something with something. Yeah. You actively do something with missing Udamate. Yeah. You actively plan activities because you miss postmaker data. So you, you do something to get information. And that is more convincing than not doing anything
0: exactly yeah i think i think this is this is a good point is also to provide also some confidence to the auditor to say oh this company knows what they are doing and it's it's a it's a great one um now if we move to the product so now we have done quite a management system if we go to the product so um you are, as a notified body, you have to review the technical file of documentation to check that the product is safe and performant and efficient, etc. cetera. So um, are you doing that during the audit? So during, uh, you, I call you for the audit, you do that during the audit or you, you do that offsite? So within maybe some other assessors that are doing uh, this, this kind of work?
1: Yeah, so that is an excellent question, especially when you look at the sheer amount of, products out there. Yeah, We have class 1 reusable, where there is review activities on processes. Uh, We have class 3 devices. Now we have this 500,000 medical devices potentially in the EU. And now you have to classify all of them. So for a class 3 device, if you don't look into the technical documentation, how would you know that what you want to audit? I mean, yeah, stepping one step back, the technical documentation is a collection of outputs. It is all a collection of outputs from a quality management system. Now, outputs and processes, of course, there are also inputs, but these outputs we want to review and we want to understand the criticality of a device. For example, this pacemaker or a defibrillator or a lead, yeah? Typically, manufacturers use, for example, laser welding processes. Now, there is maybe a manufacturer who comes up with ultrasonic welding. Now, as an organization like ours, we, of course, think about this. And then we see, oh, this is a process we haven't seen in this manufacturer before. So this is a good information for the audit team to look into the validation of this process maybe. because that might have a certain um, risk impact. And if you don't know how the processes work together to create a product, and you just go there to look at processes, <laughs> I think that's, in my mind, it doesn't make sense. So on-site assessments might be possible in future when MDR-wise uh, you have certified all your product categories. At this point in time, I would, I personally wouldn't do it. I would do product assessment first and then audit. No, it's in good. my mind. It's a logical uh, sequence.
0: No, I think it's good, and I, I, I suppose it's it's right. So you are just looking at all the evidence or all the documentation, etc., and then you are looking the proofs, if I can say, if, if it's really existing on the field and uh, if this is uh, all correct. Yeah, I, I can imagine that, for example, a pacemaker, which is really a complex uh, device, if you go directly to the company to audit them, uh, you plan a three-day audit, maybe it's not enough to review everything and to um to find really wh- what you want to ask them. Um, In terms of, of the products, so um, as we said, there is companies that have from class one air to class uh, two A to B three products, um, so, I have a portfolio of many products, so do you recommend me to certify all products at once or to do it on a stage base or, or maybe to certify the, the easiest one first or the most difficult one first or, or how, how, do you, how would you recommend them?
1: There are actually different approaches to this. So what we, what we saw so far is some manufacturers did take their most simple device Mm -hmm. to get their initial MDR certification. Other manufacturers choose to do the most complex device. Now, if you're standing in front of this question and wonder yourself, should I go for the complex one or the easy one? Always remember what the learning curve will look like. Yeah, I mean, a complex device going through this process now might be a steeper learning curve, than a not-so-complex or not-so-risky device. Now, for the future, it might actually be useful to invest now the time in reviewing a complex device, and then potentially everything else becomes more easy for you.
0: Yeah, because mainly uh, you will have, I mean, with the complex device, you will review nearly all the categories, all the processes, everything. And when you arrive to the less complex device, it will be uh, more easier. Yeah, I imagine if you start with the class 2A, uh, which has maybe less processes, uh, then you will have to struggle when you go to class 2B because you will have to include more things. And then class 3 to be also more things. So it will be struggling three times, maybe instead of once uh, with a a complex device. Um, So yeah, it means that should I, for example, go for um, a first class three product, and then I get CE mark for my my class three products, and then I make an application for my class two A products and my class two uh, to B products, etc. Is it is it like that?
1: Could, could be an approach. It could be that's also important. Maybe for you to understand that those um, conformity assessment routes you are describing there are different ones. Yeah, I mean. The class three device always goes through product assessment and um, uh, audit. Whenever you have a new device, it needs to go through this route. Now, if you have a 2A device, 2B device, the first device we need to review, yes. But if you then have additional devices of a similar kind, there will be a sampling approach. Yeah. Now, that means because it's different conformity assessment procedures, We also need to put different reviewers onto it because in the end, we will create different certificates because there can only be one certificate per conformity assessment or vice versa. If you initiate a conformity assessment, the result is a certificate in class three, an audit certificate and a product certificate. Now, having more conformity assessments in parallel will lead into more certificates, but also more stuff working on it. If you can clever arrange products and processes in a way that in your initial MDR audit, one could cover a lot of processes, a lot of codes, then it is beneficial for you. However, that might take some intensive planning with the notified body. That's also the reason why in the beginning I told you that it might take three to six months to come up with an audit plan because if you want to do this approach, the interaction is much more intense.
0: I think it's, it's it's good. So, I mean, if you have really a big portfolio, I think there need to be really a lot of discussion with you on how you will be planning that, which stage, which uh, date, et cetera, et cetera, because you cannot do all at once. As you said, there is a lot of conformity assessment, so you cannot do all at once, but it's better maybe to, uh, to really think about that and have a discussion with you uh, specifically for it.
1: So resource-wise, it wouldn't be a problem to do multiple in parallel. However, we need to plan
0: it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so um, I don't know if you've seen that. I have made a clip once about uh, about CN and Senelec that uh, <laughs> that refused the mandate from uh, your commission. At one point, we said, um, okay, now we have no harmonized standards anymore for UMDR. I mean, we didn't have before, but we have no plan for a new harmonized standard for uh, for UMDR so um, what is your position on that so how do you consider harmonized standards and will it be a problem for you then to make the assessments of the manufacturers without harmonized standards
1: no <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yes um, it's both uh, I mean of of course we can do our assessments without harmonized standards and we did that in the past yeah I mean there is enough examples of devices who do not have a harmonized standard or where the standard is just outdated. That's also why the general safety and performance requirements in the MDR require you to fulfill the the state-of-the-art. Now, there is often this argumentation, who defines state-of-the-art, what is state-of-the-art, and harmonized standards are state-of-the-art, right? (laughs) Maybe? maybe not. And all that comes now together. And of course, it's it's another burden to manufacturers and to notified bodies that there are no harmonized standards. Yet, this is still something that we will survive because there is a lot of information out there. Standards might have been revised after a harmonization under mdd was announced. And of course, you as a manufacturer and we as a notified body need to be aware of the latest scientific knowledge and technical knowledge and clinical knowledge. So what we would do is keep ourselves close to the latest information published, and we would expect manufacturers doing the same. And now if there is different requirements different, coming from different standard versions, it's important to, as we did talk about earlier, to address this, to do something with it not ignore it, but handle it. And that is maybe one of the biggest challenges in the MDR that's forcing you to do something all the time. Now, you cannot switch off your brain. You have to be active all the time.
0: So one thing that um, I'm struggling with is the fact that um, sometimes you have the harmonized standards, even with MDD now, but it's it's not the last version. So it's not like it's just... These versions. So and there is a new version that is maybe providing more requirements, or that is, as you've said, state of the art. So um, if a manufacturer is stopping at the harmonized standard, but there is really more requirements to do, so h- how will you handle that? So are they compliant or not? Or what are you doing for this type of things? Um
1: so there is different examples we had in the past. Yeah. Let, let me pull one example. So because I've worked on that topic for quite a while in the past 10 years. Um, it, in the late zero years, as we say in German, okay. uh, the, um, the, the the pacemakers became MR conditional. Okay. Yeah? So you can wear a pacemaker and you can go into an MRI scanner okay. because of the magnet that was always very, very problematic. And not only because of the magnet, but also other stuff. But I want to become too scientific here. Now, then Some companies created devices that were able to survive this this MRI scanner. There was no standard around it. Until now, there is only a technical specification for that. Now, what would you think we as a notified body, did? If the technical specification is what is published, this is for us Mm state-of-the-art. We use it with our manufacturers especially in the active implants field, because it's actually written for that. And if they don't comply to that technical specification, we don't agree to the statement that they are compliant. Okay. And that example you can take into nowadays and into the future. Whenever there is something that's increasing the level of protection for humans, environment, or users, or users or patients, We expect the manufacturer to do something with this. And if a requirement is there that you have to put in a certain measure because it protects all these three elements, state-of-the-art compliance, safety, it's all about the humans and the environment.
0: No, I think it's it's a good point because it's it's also showing that uh, the notified body is already is is not only following if I can say some documentation, it's also making some investigation, getting some information about what is happening on the field, um taking uh, all the all the new information that can help also, as you mentioned, to uh, have a safe and, and efficient product and apply them for, for the manufacturers. And I hope, as you mentioned, that the manufacturers are aware of those new information or those new tests or those new specifications so that they can apply apply to their products and not just uh, get behind an harmonized standard and say oh i'm following the harmonized standards in compliance to it so then I, I stop here and i do no i do nothing which is uh, i think yeah, uh, yeah. not good
1: <laughs> I, 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 I i like to quote my former boss basilacra who yeah. said like oh i'm looking forward to that time martin when notified bodies are only robots and do checklists <laughs> automatically yeah that's
0: not
1: how it works. Yeah, yeah. No, but, <laughs> he I, knows this, but <laughs> he yeah, was I think
0: manufacturers should also understand that that yeah, uh, auditors when they are coming, they are not just with their checklist and say good, bad, good, bad. It's really a, a discussion, with some arguments, and you have read to review uh, review that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, now last point for me is more about the coronavirus. So um, we were hit by this in 2020, um, and you had of notified but it's hard to go more to on remote audits so uh, what is the current situation now um, are we blocked and can we can we have on-site audits or you are privileging remote audits because of this situation
1: so for for a lot of activities it's okay to do stuff remote yeah um however there is a last thing that's coming from authorities and the commission is that being on site is one of the fundamental ideas why the MBR was actually created. Yeah, I mean, with unannounced audits, with having the issue with the PIP scandal and not doing on-site assessments now is something that is so much in conflict. And I haven't heard yet, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't heard that the commission has yet said that you can go. For remote audit, one hundred percent, and yeah. that is that is of course a huge, huge challenge, because either a notified body might not have the stuff in the region where a manufacturer is located and where an audit activity needs to take place. That is a hu- huge di- disadvantage for small notified bodies. Um, I think. The big notified bodies might not have that much of a problem there because they have employees all over the world. But this is really limiting medical devices to get certified and to be put on the European market. Market, And the crazy thing is these devices are supposed, because they are following the MDR, supposed to be safer than yeah. MDD devices And we can't put them on the market because we have another safety issue, the coronavirus, and of course, political constraints with not letting people into a country.
0: No, I think it's it's a good point because yeah, as you mentioned, if if you are in the country, so it's fine. But if you have to travel abroad, you can be blocked. <laughs> you can have a quarantine. You can be not authorized to go back. You can I mean everything can happen because uh, there is some different uh, different uh, rules per per country. So uh, I mean this is a, this can be really a big a big problem for some manufacturers. So I imagine that already we were blocked with some bottleneck because we had not a lot of notified bodies. Now we are a bit blocked with that. So it's also I think some a lot of frustration for some manufacturers but uh, yeah it's not the fault of the notified bodies, so don't <laughs> complain to them <laughs> be patient with everybody so uh, another thing that the the commission also made is the guidance related to the md SAP report so um is it yeah. something that they, they have done in addition to the remote audit so that they can use that or what is it
1: i don't know if that's the reason why they did it i mean there is a huge pressure on the eu um Especially coming from countries that are part of the MD sub program that the EU accepts the MD sub audit reports. I mean, uh, the idea of MD sub is, is awesome. I mean, it's, yeah, it's very, very good. If you do one audit and can cover so many legislations, it is also rather challenging to do such an audit. Yeah. You have to audit all these country requirements in parallel. And this is really challenging. Now, the EU made a step to say, okay, there is this audit report and what elements of an MD-sub audit report can be used to also show compliance to MDR quality management system requirements. Now, what they also did is they figured out what is not covered. Okay, And for that, it is, of course, important that the MD-sub report doesn't cover all EU MDR requirements so there is a gap and for that gap again we have to do audit activities and i i i don't know but i'm not a very strong believer that uh, the EU will join the MD sub program that's only my personal feeling around this Um, because there is a huge focus in the EU and by the authorities in in the member states on the MDR being something unique and something special. And I think that's also politically motivated to do this, which in my mind is also okay, but I do, of course, see the challenges on the manufacturer's side to have another audit. So I, I believe the the wish of manufacturers is, ah, uh, let's do one MD sub audit and that's it, and that's that applies to MDR. The same wish was there in the past when we did thirteen four eighty five certifications, and some manufacturers said, "Yeah, we have thirteen four eighty five. You, we are now compliant to MDDA or MDD because they are harmonized." No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's something different. <laughs>
0: No, I think I think it's it's a good point because yeah, there is some confusion between standards and legislations, and uh, being compliant to one is not uh, making you compliant to the other. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's something that uh, that uh, I think we have to really clarify with the, with those manufacturers. And um, yeah, I, I know I, I read this MDCG guidance, and yeah, it's showing a table with what is in MDR, what is in MDSAP, and what can be used for this or that. But yeah, it's, there is a lot of gaps, so it's something that um, um, I don't know how they will really use it. But um, I mean, they can they can. Can, they can try if i can say um okay so uh, i think we covered a lot of ad, uh, i will not say advice but a lot of things the tips that you can provide that you provide to the manufacturers um so is there any last advice or last tip that you want to provide to to them just to say maybe um, you have to do this or to do that
1: well i'm saying this for like Four years now. Okay. Don't wait. Don't wait. (laughs) Just simply just don't wait. And now the postponement of the MDR or the delay of its um, date of application. If, if that's really a big win for everybody, I, I doubt. Yeah. I mean, if we would have started with the MDR in May or we'll start with it next year in May. I, I believe we will see things coming up again that we hoped to be over, and that's yeah. what will happen between now and May. Yeah, and between now and May means the last three months of this year and the first three months of the next year, wherever manufacturers have decided. Oh, let's dis- let's do this as an MDDA, MDD still, or let's do this change notification, or let's do this renewal. Um, yeah, I mean I in in my team there were a lot of people working so many hours within the in these six months, the last three and the first three. And I'm afraid that's happening again. And the same pressure is on manufacturers' side, because there is clear clearly a dead end. Um, and we don't know what next year in May is decided. I mean if, if we still do remote audits,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, who gosh. knows? Exactly. No, but I, I think it's a good point because, yeah, I mean, if you do just remote audits, you cannot finalize an UMDR certification. So at the end, you are here. I mean. You have done half of the job, so you have to wait that the other half is is, is clearly done. But yeah, as you mentioned, quickly uh, contact your notified bodies and and do the, yes. the move to the MDR. Not nothing. Don't think anymore about NDD or AI MDD no. MDR MDR MDR. This is many the, the point uh, point yeah. to look for.
1: Why why would you invest for a three-year valid certificate?
0: Yeah yeah no. <laughs> and then again, and then maybe next year
1: you you decide to do the same device and let's let it be a high-risk device and you do the same device under mbr that costs you twice the amount of money or more and what did you gain
0: no i think i, mean, I think really that's the, the, as i've said there is uh, some people that don't really maybe understand all those mechanics and i think it's a good point here to explain to them that it's maybe investing on something that will not exist so it's not uh, really a, a good investment um
1: yeah but but also under current times yeah, when there is less surgeries I do, of yeah, course, completely really yeah, understand that companies look at where can I save money.
0: No, course. no, I think it's yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's of a really good cut also. Um, okay, so um, a last point. So you will be um, at the Topra Symposium, so the virtual conference that is created now by by Topra because uh, as we said of, of this coronavirus, so more and more conferences are going virtual. So um, what will you be talking about? I will
1: present about uh, the implementation status of the MDR. At notified bodies, and uh, what we've seen in our first conformity assessments, and will point out uh, what I think will be challenges over the next couple of months till the new date of application, and then there will be an uh, another um, um, discussion, um, so an open discussion um, with I think seven people. And I think it will be a very interesting discussion.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's good. So uh, don't hesitate to go and to uh, um, to register to the Topra Symposium. I think you will have really a lot of uh, professionals that will be uh, helping you, providing you a lot of uh, tips and helping you to really understand uh, how you uh, should apply UMDR or uh, how you uh, have to understand maybe some of the elements of the regulation. Okay, Martin, so uh, thank you very much. I think it was really a a helpful episode for all the the medical device manufacturers. I hope they will really get that and apply all your advices because listening to them and saying yes, yes, is not enough. Just apply, go and apply to that and I hope it will be working well. So, Martin, really, thank you for your support. Thank you for your help and I wish you a nice day.
1: Thank you and
0: a nice day to you and the audience as well. Thank you. Bye-bye.